Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50% to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello and welcome to Breaking Down Bad Books, a podcast analyzing trashy bestsellers from a literary perspective. Today we're looking at chapter 15 of Twilight, titled The Cullens. Okay, so where we left off, Edward and Bella had this weird little chat about sex. They had a chat about sex, and then she went to sleep with him snuggling her, which is so cute and romantic, but then he just stayed awake all night watching her. So the next morning, Bella says the muted light of yet another cloudy day eventually woke her up. She rolls around moaning, not really with it yet. And then she's like, oh, fuck, Edward. And she sits up really fast and Edward says, your hair looks like a haystack, but I like it. Which is a very negative thing to hear first thing in the morning. And his voice was unruffled. Not sure what that means. But after hearing the insult about her hair looking like a haystack, she says, Edward, you stayed. And she jumps across the room into his lap. So (laughs) remember when she was like, not even sure of herself enough to touch his hand. Now she's just giving him a lap dance in the rocking chair in the morning. Bald as brass. And she lays her head against his shoulder and breathes in the smell of his skin and says, I was sure it was a dream. And he says, you're not that creative. He scoffed. And mate, that's two insults in a row. First thing in the morning. Like he hasn't said anything nice to her yet. You look like a haystack. You're not that creative. What a piece of work. And then Bella's worried about having morning breath and Edward says, you're not usually this confused in the morning. Again, another insult and creepy that he's reminding her that he's used to watching her in the mornings. And she says, I need another human minute, which as we discussed last week is code for her needing to take a dump. So she goes to the bathroom and she brushes her teeth and then she works to straighten out the tangled chaos that was her hair. And I'm thinking if you hadn't gone to sleep with wet hair, you might not have had this problem. By the time she's done having a dump in the bathroom, she comes back and she says, it's a miracle that Edward was still there. His arm's still waiting for her. It's it's hardly a miracle. And then she notices that his clothes were actually changed. And she's like, oh, you left? And he says, oh, I could hardly leave in the clothes I came in. What would the neighbors think? Which I guess is a joke. And she's pouting. Like she's upset that he didn't just spend eight hours watching her sleep. So before I was thinking that it was creepy of Edward to be spending all night watching her sleep, but now I think it's pretty pathetic that Bella's insulted that he didn't stay and watch her sleep for the full eight hours or however long it was. Like, Bella, you're not that interesting. Does she really think she's that interesting to warrant 
someone staring at you sleeping for eight hours? What a bloody chip on a shoulder. And he's like, babe, you were deep asleep. I didn't miss anything. And all the talking was earlier. And she's like, oh no, what did I say in my sleep? And he says that she said she loved him. And she says, you knew that already. They're used to saying the L word to each other, but, but for me reading it, I'm, a, I'm still a bit shocked. And I can't actually remember if she said the L word before, but nope, they've, they've declared love. They've declared love. And he says, oh, that's nice to hear. And then she, she says, I love you. And he says, you are my life now. Far out. And then there's nothing more to say. So he just like rocks her back and forth in the rocking chair. I mean, what am I reading? Like, why are they acting like the old couple from the start of Up? Just sitting in the room in a rocking chair telling each other they love each other. Like, stop being the couple from Up. And then controlling Edward says, time for breakfast, little lass. Bella tries to be funny and clutches her throat with both her hands and like stares at him with wide eyes. And he's like, how dare you? And she's like, I'm just kidding. And he's like, that's not funny. And she said, it was very funny and you know it. And I think I side with Edward. That wasn't very funny. And Edward says, nope, it's breakfast time for the human. So he like picks her up, puts her over his shoulder and takes her downstairs. Well, she can walk, Edward. And she says, the kitchen was bright, happy, seeming to absorb my mood. Bitch, you just left the lights on. And Bella's in a teasing mood as well. So she says, what's for breakfast? And he's like, uh, I don't know. What would you like? And his marble brow puckers. A marble brow puckered. I know lips can pucker, but a brow? A puckered brow? I don't think so. And then she's like, ah, don't worry. I fend for myself pretty well. Watch me hunt. And then she just grabs a bowl and some cereal. And that's her hunting. Like, oh, very funny. Very funny, Bella. And then, of course, Stephanie gives us the whole rundown on how she eats cereal. So she pours the milk. She grabs a spoon. She sits down. Then she takes a bite and he watches her. And then she swallows so that she could speak. And I'm like, cut to the chase. Every time Bella has some cereal, we have to hear about it. And I'm glad she's eating because you know I think she's got an eating disorder, but do I need to know about it? Bella asks him what's on the agenda for the day and he says, well, how about you come and meet my family? And she gulps because she's always gulping. And she says she's afraid that they won't like her. It's a very well-founded fear since I don't like her either. And she's like, do they know that I know about them? And he's like, oh yeah, babe, they know everything. I read minds, Alice sees the future. We don't have secrets. Which is a nice healthy family dynamic for the Cullens. Good for them. And Bella's like, so did Alice see me coming? And he's like, something like that. And Bella can sense that he's uncomfortable. Because I guess that's her superpower that she just can sense these things. So to change the subject, Edward's like, how's your cereal? And she says, it's no irritable grizzly. What is this banter? And Edward says, you should also introduce me to your father, I think. And she's like, he knows who you are. And he says, I mean, as your boyfriend. Bella feels a bit uncomfortable about that. She's like, oh, boyfriend. And I was like, yeah, he just watched you sleep. And you guys said you loved each other this morning. What did you think you were? You're not still science buddies. I mean, you are still science buddies, but you're not just science buddies. 
She says that her dating history gave her few reference points to work with, not that any normal rules of dating applied here. And Bella, just because he's a vampire doesn't mean that normal rules of dating can't still apply. He can still obtain your consent for picking you up and watching you sleep and all that touching your eyelids and all the weird stuff you're doing. Like, mm. And all through this chat, we're getting updates on the progress of her serial. Whenever she says a line of dialogue, we have to know that she's scooching around the cereal to the side of the bowl and then she's thinking about stuff and working through a cereal and I'm like is this a never-ending bowl of cereal it's just never-ending and the one thing she doesn't tell us is what the cereal is and I'm thinking what is it Cocoa Pops Lucky Charms that's American I'm sure it's Lucky Charms let me know if you're going to go on and on about the cereal at least let me know what she's working with and so Edward's like yeah well we should at least let Chief Swan know why I'm going to be around here so much And she's like, oh, will you be here? And he's like, yeah, as long as you want me. And she says, I'll always want you. I warned him forever. So she's, she's warning him that she wants him healthy. And I guess because she said forever, that made Edward sad because then he walks around the table and then reaches out to touch his fingertips to her cheeks. And his expression was unfathomable. She says, does that make you sad? And he didn't answer. He stared into her eyes for an immeasurable period of time. Wow, in an immeasurable period. Is it long? Is it short? I don't know. So then Bella goes upstairs to get dressed. And she says she ended up picking her long khaki coloured skirt with a dark blue blouse. Blue and khaki. Hmm. Cute. And her hair's still a fucking mess, so she pulls it back into a ponytail. And then she bounces down the stairs, because... She's always bouncing down the stairs. She's like bloody Tigger from Winnie the Pooh. And she says, I'm decent. And she bumps into him and he gets a nice whiff of her and he says, wrong again. You are utterly indecent. No one should look so tempting. It's not fair. And Edward, tempting in a khaki skirt. I think you're being too generous. And she's like, oh, am I too tempting? I can change. And he says, you are so absurd. And he kisses her on the forehead and the smell of his breath sort of sends her into a tizzy because then he says something else and his fingers trace slowly down her spine and Bella starts to feel really lightheaded and Edward kisses her and she collapses. She, she faints. He kisses her and she faints, which is ridiculous. I mean, she's had, a, she's had breakfast. What's the excuse now? Like she's, got, she's on a full stomach. How's she fainting? But yeah, she says, you made me faint. And he says, what am I gonna do with you? It says he groaned in exasperation. So... What am I gonna do with you? He says, yesterday I kiss you and you attack me. Today you pass out on me. And Bella just says, I think I forgot to breathe. She is the dumbest bitch. I mean, isn't that the joke about the dumb blonde? Very offensive. Don't be offended by this. I'm just reporting the joke, but a blonde walks into like a hair salon and she's wearing headphones and she says to the hairdresser, oh, please don't bump my headphones. And so the hairdresser just like works around the headphones and she's like, no, seriously, like don't bump my headphones. And the hairdresser's like, yeah, okay, I got it. But then when the hairdresser's like finishing up, they accidentally knock the headphones off the blonde and then the blonde collapses on the floor, unconscious. And so then the hairdresser picks up the headphones and the headphone says, breathe in, breathe out. Like, that's the joke. So Bella may also need headphones telling her to breathe in and breathe out because she's so fucking dumb. She thinks she forgot to breathe. So then they drive over to Edwards and on the way she realizes that she didn't actually know where he lived. 
he's watched you sleep, but you don't know where he lives. Does that not make you question whether you're going into things a bit too quickly? So basically, they're just going up this road in the forest that's becoming more and more abandoned. And then they get to this isolated little mansion-y type place in the middle of the forest. She says, and then after a few miles, there was some thinning of the woods and we were suddenly in a small meadow. Or was it actually a lawn? And I'm like, not another fucking meadow. But Bella says she didn't know what she had expected, but it wasn't this. The house was timeless, graceful, and probably a hundred years old. Now, how can a house be timeless, but also a hundred years old? Like she said, it's timeless. And then she put a time onto it (laughs) in the same sentence. It's not even like she had an idea and then contradicted it a few sentences later. It was, it was the same sentence, sandwiched between a word. The house was timeless and probably a hundred years old. That's not what timeless means. And I must have missed the chapter where Bella went to architecture school because she's just analyzing the structure of the house. She says, she says it was three stories tall, rectangular and well-proportioned. The windows and doors were either part of the original structure or a perfect restoration. Like she's one step away from talking about retaining walls and sinking funds and whatever else architects talk about. And she's like, wow. And it's like, you like it? And she says, yeah, it's got a certain charm. And then he pulls the end of her ponytail and chuckles. So now he's pulling a hair. He's so mean to her. And then they go inside and she does another architectural digest tour of the house. So she says it was very bright, very open and very large. Yeah, that sentence has very in it three times. And she says this must have originally been several rooms, but the walls have been removed from most of the first floor to create one wide space. The back south facing wall had been entirely replaced with glass. A massive curving staircase dominated the west side of the room. The walls, the high beam ceiling, the wooden floors and the thick carpets were all varying shades of white. Uh, She's an architect. Did you build the place, Bella? West side of the room. How do you know which side's west? You've got a compass on you. I mean, we know nothing about Bella's career goals. Maybe she does want to study to be an architect. Maybe this is her little passion. We, we know nothing about Bella. We know nothing about her. She's just a stand-in character. So there's Carlisle and Esme there to greet them. She says Esme's pretty. She says Carlisle's pretty. I mean, all the Cullens are pretty, but every time she meets one, we're going to get a description of how pretty they are. So buckle up. So yeah, they shake hands. They're like, nice to meet you. She's surprisingly confident. And then Edward's like, where's Alice and Jasper? And then Alice runs down the stairs and says, hi, Bella, and gives her a kiss on the cheek. So Alice can kiss her on the cheek and not do the whole, I just need a minute. I'm about to kill you. I've just got a minute to control myself. Like she's not doing that. She's just like kissing Bella on the cheek. And she says, hmm, you know what? She does smell nice. (laughs) So that's an inappropriate thing to say. And then she says, Jasper's there, tall and leonine. Leonine, as in having the features of a lion. Like I looked it up and Leonine's like a French word from the 17th century. Like, Stephanie, you're writing Twilight here. You're not writing the Canterbury Tales. You can take it down a notch, Leonine. She, she's just trying to sound smart. I hate that, Leonine. Puh. 
And then a feeling of ease spreads throughout her and she's suddenly comfortable despite her surroundings. And then she's like, oh, he must be manipulating my emotions, but she, she doesn't care. That's how I'm going to envision Jasper from now on. He's just a walking aromatherapy machine. So Bella says, it's nice to meet you. And then Esme says, thanks. We're so glad that you came. And she spoke with feeling and I realized that she thought I was brave. I also realized that Rosalie and Emmett were nowhere to be seen. And I've said before that Bella's just the carry of Sex and the City, just like, and then I realized, because she just overuses that realized word far too much. And half the time her realizations are just her projecting her own emotions onto other people, such as like, oh, Esme thinks I'm brave. Like, that's a, that's a bit of a leap. I think you just think you're brave, so you're projecting that onto yourself. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. And then not only is Bella like a budding architect, but she's also a bloody mentalist because she gets distracted by Carlisle's expression and Carlisle's gazing meaningfully at Edward with an intense expression she just repeats words. Let me read this out. Carlisle's expression distracted me from this train of thought. He was gazing meaningfully at Edward with an intense expression. So she can use the word leonine in a book, but she uses the word expression twice in the same sentence. And then yeah, out of the corner of her eye, she sees Edward nod once. So yeah, she's just mentalist, just mentalizing the two of them, just putting these expressions together and just coming up with a narrative. And then she sees the piano and she's like, oh, wow, what a lovely piano. And she reminisces about her mum playing the piano as a kid, like who gives a fuck? And Esme's like, oh, you like the piano, huh? Do you play? And she's like, nope, (laughs) but it's pretty. And she says, yep, that's Edward's piano. And she's like, what? Edward plays the piano? And Esme's a bit like, huh? You don't even know that he plays the piano? And Jasper laughs as well. And I'm like, yeah, they don't know each other very well, guys. And then Esme says, I hope you haven't been showing off Edward. It's rude. And so then she shoots Edward a look and Edward looks back at her and Bella doesn't know what the look means, but she's noticed that they're looking at each other. So not a fully fledged mentalist. She's still piecing, piecing the clues together. So then Esme's like, come on, play the piano then. And so Edward gives Bella a long, exasperated look before he starts playing the piano. So many looks. And surprise, surprise, he's amazing at the piano. So do we really need to go into it? I mean, she's describing this beautiful melody for pages and pages. And I'm like, Stephanie, you know, this is a book, right? Like we can't hear it. (sighs) She wrote it as if it's going to be translated into a movie one day. 
because I mean, really, you you're describing a melody to us, and like you can't really describe a melody. You just got to listen to a melody, and this is a book, sweetie. It's a book. But Bella's eating it up. She says she felt her chin drop and her mouth was open in astonishment. And then she heard low chuckles behind her at her reaction. So, I mean, I don't know how they can see her reaction if they're behind her and she's just opening up a jaw, but they could have been chuckling at something else, but no, Bella assumes it's about her because she's self-centered. And Bella's like, wait a minute, did you write this? And he says, yeah, it's Esme's favorite. And then he starts playing the melody of the lullaby that Bella inspired. Again, I... I can't hear the lullaby, so I don't really care about it. And then she looks behind her and she realizes that the rest of the vampires had, you know, gapped it to give them some privacy. And Bella says, well, they like me, but Rosalie and Emmett, what's with them? And Edward says, oh, don't worry about Rosalie. She'll come around. And Edward just says, Rosalie struggles the most with being vampires. And it's hard for her to have an outsider knowing the truth. And that she's jealous. And Bella's like, Rosalie's jealous of me. And he says, yeah, you're human. She wants to be human. It's not because you're prettier than a silly Bella. And Edward's like, yeah, everyone else really likes you. Um, and Bella's like, yeah, Alice seemed pretty enthusiastic. And Edward says, well, Alice has her own way of looking at things. And he says that through tight lips. So... Oh, looking at things like he's a ventriloquist doll. And then a moment of wordless communication passed between them. And he realized that I knew he was keeping something from me. And I realized that he wasn't going to give anything away. Oh, so many realizations. So many mentalist isting. She's a mentalist. There's no other explanation for the way she can read an expression and a wordless piece of a communication. She's a mentalist. And she says, what was Carlisle telling you? And he's like, wow, you noticed that? And she says, of course. And she shrugs. And Edward says, yeah, well, we got a bit of news. Not sure if I should tell you or not, but I'm going to be really overbearingly protective of you over the next few days. So maybe you should know because I wouldn't want you to think I'm naturally a tyrant. And So far, the past few months has been him not being overbearingly protective. I wonder what it would be like when he is being overbearingly protective. Like, how can you go from a 10 to a 10? But no, so Alice can see in the future that some visitors are coming soon. The foreshadowing from the other chapter is starting to pay off. Or she's building on the foreshadowing. So some visitors are on their way. And he says, yeah, some hunters are coming, but they're probably not going to come into town. So you'll be fine. And then she shivers and he says, finally, a rational response. I was beginning to think you had no sense of self-preservation at all. And then Bella says, I let that one pass. And I was like, you let all of his insults pass. She never calls him out on the insults. Like he said, you had haystack hair this morning. You let that one pass. He pulled on your ponytail a couple of minutes ago. You let that one pass. And then they tease some more about the house, like how she expected there to be coffins. And he's like, yeah, there's not even any cobwebs. Ha 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 ha. And she says, yeah, it's so light, so open. And he's like, well, it's the only place we never have to hide. And then the song he's playing drifts to an end with the final chords shifting to a more melancholy key. The last note hovering poignantly in the silence. Uh, Bitch, it's a book. I can't hear it. 
And then she says, thank you, realizing another realization. Ah. She can look up a thesaurus for Leonine, but she can't look up a thesaurus for another word for realized. (sighs) The song ends and she realizes that there's tears in her eyes and she dabs at them in embarrassment. And then Edward, because he hasn't been creepy enough yet this chapter, he touches the corner of her eye and traps one of the tears that she missed. And then he lifts the finger, examining the drop of moisture broodingly. And then he puts his finger to his mouth to taste her tears. Yeah. Let's let that sink in for a second. I've never been in love with someone that I wanted to drink their tears. Is that just a whole new level of love and infatuation that I've just not experienced? Or is it creepy? Let me know. Send me an email. Breakingdownpod at gmail.com. You know the drill. And Bella doesn't say anything. She just looks at him questioningly and then he gazes back for a long moment. She loves to tell us how long a moment is. And he says, do you want to see the rest of the house? And no follow up about the drinking of the tears. And so then he gives her the tour. You know, this is Rosalie and Emmett's room. This is Carlisle's office. This is Alice's room, blah, 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 blah. And then Bella stops dead in her tracks because she sees a crucifix hanging on the wall. Like, she's so dramatic, she actually stops in her tracks. And Edward's like, yeah, I guess that is kind of ironic. And she didn't laugh because she's transfixed by the cross. She's like, oh, wow, it looks really old. And he's like, yeah, early 1630s, probably. And he says, well, it belonged to Carlisle's father. And Bella says, oh, did he collect antiques? And Edward says, no, he made it. (laughs) What a roundabout way to break it to her that Carlisle is... 600 or something years old. (laughs) Such a roundabout way to make that revelation, but here we are. So we get some backstory on Carlisle. He's actually 362. He was born in London in the 1640s, but he's not too sure of the date, um, but he thinks it was before Cromwell's rule. How fun. This would have been a great prequel. And he was the son of an Anglican pastor, His mum died giving birth. His father was an intolerant man. The Protestants came into power and they wanted to persecute all the Roman Catholics. And they then did witch hunts and vampire hunts and werewolf hunts. And they burned lots of innocent people. And so Carlisle was involved in these witch hunts. And, And remember when Edward was like, I don't really remember anything about my human life because human memories fade. Well, not for fucking Carlisle, because this is a whole lot of black story from 362 years ago. So, so human memories fade my ass. So Carlisle was in charge of these vampire raids and he actually found a coven of vampires that lived in the sewers and they would only come out at night to hunt and they also spoke Latin And so then the people of London or wherever gathered their pitchforks and torches and like tried to hunt down the vampires in the sewers. I mean, where's this in the history books, right? sounds like a big deal, but no. So the mob starts running after the vampires, but there was this one ancient and weak with hunger vampire who turned around and attacked Carlisle and like killed a couple of people and left Carlisle bleeding in the street. And so 
apparently because Carlisle knew all about vampires because his dad was a priest, he knew that his father would burn all the bodies. So what he did was he acted instinctively to save his own life and he crawled away from the alley where the mob was and found a cellar and buried himself in rotting potatoes for three days. And by that point, he had realized what he'd become. So remember last chapter when Edward was like, oh, it's such a complicated process to turn a vampire. Like, we're not going to get into it. It's super hard to do. Mm, It sort of seems like you just get bitten by a vampire. You bury yourself in some dirt for a couple of days and then boom, you're a vampire too. Doesn't seem that hard. And then Edward's like, hmm, am I saying too much stuff? So he says, how are you, Bella? And she's like, yeah, I'm fine. And then she bites her lip because she's still Bella. And he smiles and says, I bet you have a few more questions for me. And she says, a few. And I don't think she's thinking about asking when he started playing the piano. But anyway, he smiles and he says, all right, come on, I'll show you around. And that's the end of the chapter. So I don't really know what he's going to show her. Maybe his bedroom, maybe, maybe the implication is that when she was biting her lip with the curiosity in her eyes, she was thinking about his bedroom. And so he said, I'll show you like the wordless communication. I mean, props to them for communicating so wordlessly, but maybe Stephanie could fill us in because... I bet you have a few more questions for me. A few. I'll show you. You're not going to show her an answer to the question when we don't know what the question is. Just, just, just clue us in. Just clue us in. Tell us what cereal she's eating. Tell us the questions she's asking with her eyes. Is that too much to ask? You'll tell us everything else. But yeah, so I, I, I guess that's the end of the chapter. I don't really know why it's the end of the chapter. It seems like it was just stopped in the middle of a thought in the middle of a scene so the next chapter is called Carlisle so we're just going to carry on where we left off but we've just arbitrarily made it a new chapter so hey them's the breaks so I'll see you next time because I'm not going to hang around and read another chapter of this shit so let me know your thoughts send me an email to breakingdownpod at gmail.com or send me a tweet to podbreakingdown and I'll see you next time bye Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus. Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.